What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 16, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, Enigma. And... As always, you can find us. You can find us on all sorts of aggregators, but including Google Play Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts and on Apple Podcasts. And you should tell your friends to go find us. And uh, when they do this, they should subscribe. They should subscribe to us. And uh, while you're doing that job, because this is homework time, um, you should uh, give us some ratings and reviews and uh, tell people that this is the best podcast you have ever listened to in your entire life, whether or not that's true. Well, no, it is true. It is the best podcast. It, it is the best to. podcast. What are you talking about? Brent? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, go do your due diligence and let people know. And uh, yeah, and after you do that, you should let us know that you've yes. done that. And if you're going to let us know, which you will, because we all know that you listen to everybody that you pod that podcasts to you, mm-hmm. uh, and we're everybody, or at least we're part of everybody. So after that, you should email <laughs> us and tell us what you think at walking through the stargate at gmail.com. That's W A L K I N G T H R U G H T H E S T A R G A T E at gmail.com. Nice. Or you can. Yeah. Talk to us on Twitter. Follow uh-huh. us at Stargate Walking. Or find us on Facebook, Walking oh, Through yeah. the Stargate, and all of I those things. Tweet. You should tweet. Yeah, you, I keep you you, you are tweeting tweeter tweeters. I know. I'm the worst. I'm the worst Twitterer. I am so bad. Well, you know Here we go. It's okay, I'm Brent, so because my ability bad. to Facebook is uh <laughs> terrible compared also to bad. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. We need jingles. Yes, we do. We need I still a walking have through the Stargate at gmail.com jingle. Now, mm-hmm. admittedly, we talked a lot about this in the last podcast, but Brent, I'm going to throw you under the bus just a little bit yeah. because I'm your friend and I can do yes. that. Yes, uh, you can. Brent is only just now, as we record this, getting the last one that we recorded you a see, week ago. But, 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 Zach, see, here's the thing. By definition, they're going to hear last week's thing first so you know by the time that i get this episode up and published like it'll be a while whatever yeah i know it's been six <laughs> days it's christmas time all right okay. i've been busy all right all right all right watching home alone and eating cookies home alone yeah cool my daughter hadn't seen it before she's little ah uh, well yeah that makes sense it, it's a good yeah. it's a good christmas movie oh uh, yeah we had uh, a lot i of mean fun. It, it it teaches awful morals about you know beating the crap out of people but only hey. only people who are trying to rob your house and only with paint cans and with christmas ornaments and with uh and blow torches and blow BB torches guns oh yeah oh and yeah nails guns. and tar. yeah yeah i had to look away with the nail because i that one always gets me and ice on stairs. But in the end, the old crotchety man and his son reunite. That is true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. All right. So. Hey, that was a, almost a jingle. Walking through the stargate. At gmail.com. See? We could just hey. you could just totally steal Home Alone's like main theme. All right, there you go. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this podcast after you've finished editing it, and I'm going to trim out that little section there. <laughs> <laughs> to prevent, uh, to prevent uh, cease and desists? Well, no. I mean, th- th- that's what we're going to use as our jingle then from now oh, on. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. 
No, I'm Done. probably not going to do that. Problem solved. Oh, maybe I should do that. Tell us what you think. <laughs> yes. Email us. Twitter. Facebook. All of those things. Facebook. Yep, all those things. Uh, I, uh, I got an audible, Brent, that I didn't put in the show notes that I want to toss out at this point in time. Okay. Go okay. for it. So, very soon we'll be coming to the end of Season 1 and the beginning of Season 2. And mm-hmm. as those who have watched Stargate know, uh, Season 1 ends with a cliffhanger and Season 2 then picks up the story. Uh-huh. Uh, dun, so we have dun, a couple dun. of options. We've talked about this a little bit, but I don't know if we really come up for sure on this. Uh, we could do one podcast for each of those episodes and just kind of take them one by one. Or right. the uh, the two-parters that this isn't the only one, uh, we could do as a, a joint episode on the podcast. So, mm-hmm. dear listeners, tell us what you think. Hey, good idea. Do that by emailing us at walkingthroughthestargate <laughs> at gmail.com or letting us nice. know on Twitter or Facebook. Yeah. So let us know. No, for real. Like, especially those of you who have seen Stargate and are like listening to this mainly for laughing at me and my stumbling through this thing. Like, honestly, a hot take on your part would be really helpful. Like, oh man, you guys should totally just like blast through these two episodes and then just do one podcast because it's totally, totally boring or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, you well, tell me. Oh, I don't think any of them are boring. Well, no, that's not true. Not no. none of them. Are <laughs> Most of them are not boring. Uh, okay. okay. What about this one? This one. Okay, so uh-huh. let's get to uh, Enigma. Enigma is yeah. directed by William Garrity. Uh, this is his second of twelve directing credits for SG One, spanning the first eight seasons. Wasn't he a singer for? Something? Uh, I am certain okay. that this particular guy is not a singer. I'm reasonably certain. All right, anyway. Anyway, uh, we saw his name earlier this season on Broke a Divide. Brent, you gave this a ridiculously high rating. Yeah, I know. It's all right. But hey, good news. We get to see some of those folks back in this yes, episode. Yes, we do. That's exciting. Uh-huh. That's um, right. Okay, so William Garrity kind of got his... Uh, Cut his teeth direct as a director of photography for things like RoboCop series, MacGyver, Magnum PI. Of course, RoboCop. I think this is where we talked about it in Broken Divide. Oh boy! Um, oh boy! Um, that is not a series that I have any plans to see. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> it is so bad. So, it is so bad. Uh, now, William Garrity's first directing gig came in the TV series MacGyver in season four, episode four, Gold Rush. Now, ah. Brent, this is the episode where MacGyver does some stuff and gets into trouble and then uses yeah. some weird things around him to jerry-rig something that will save the day. Oh, yeah. I totally know that one episode. I knew you'd pick it up on that. Uh-huh. Yep. Oh, yeah. It's very memorable. Uh, yes. Clearly. Mm-hmm. Clearly. Uh, so, uh, that would be William Garrity. Our teleplay. Brent, this is by your favorite writer and mine, Catherine Powers. Oh, boy. Oh, this man. is her final credit her swan for this song? season. Boy. Yeah, wow. we'll see wow. her name some more as the time goes on. Okay. Uh, so, she was born Lorna Teresa Patton. In L.A. in 1943, her first. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Catherine Powers. 
She changed when it. When you see this. What's the Max Power song? Max Power. When you see It's a Simpsons thing. Anyway, so. Okay, so you know she how was, many episodes of Simpsons I've seen? Very few. Get, okay, fine. Yeah, man. So she so she decided. So Catherine Powers is her pen name? Uh, I, I don't think it's her pen name. I think she changed her names at some, at some point in time. Her nom de plume. Yes. Mm-hmm. And by the way, that beep that you all heard in the background, that is my wife baking some wonderful bread that awesome. we will take to my family's Christmas celebration tomorrow. Fantastic. But that's okay. I'll edit it out and post. Oh, man. Okay, I'll leave it in. Fine. Uh, I don't care. Do whatever you want to do. All right, fine. I love you, Brent. I love you, Zach. Okay, yeah. So, <laughs> Catherine Powers. She Back was to <laughs> Lorna Teresa Patton. Lorna Teresa Patton. She was born in L.A., California in 1943. Her first writing credit, according to IMDb, is for the 1974 TV show The New Land. Okay. Now, The New Land lasted a whopping six episodes. Nah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but it did star Kurt Russell. Oh, hey, I just watched a Christmas movie with him in it. Oh, well, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. It all comes back together again. Yeah, it's all one big circle. Mm-hmm. So as for some guest stars in this episode, we've got two that I want to lift up here. Uh, one is Garwin Sanford. He played Nareem. Mm, uh, mm-hmm. We'll see him in a few more episodes as the series progresses. Uh, he's oh, also cool. in a few episodes of Atlantis, but he plays a completely different character in that one. Oh. Um, Wait a minute. I think yeah. you might have given me a spoiler just now. What? So you specified that he was a different character in Atlantis, but you didn't even bother to say that when you mentioned that he's going to be in three more SG-1 episodes. Oh, okay. So we will see Nareem again. Okay. Woohoo! So if that's a spoiler, I spoiled it. I mean, technically, yes, I had absolutely no idea. And we were in that phase where you and I had talked before about how they're just throwing spaghetti against the wall to see what sticks. That's true. That's true. All right. Anyway, uh, all right. A- a- another one of those uh, uh, strings of spaghetti that they throw against the wall is Colonel Hay- Harry Mayborn, played by Tom okay. McBeath. Yeah. Uh, we are going to see him numerous times in this series. Oh, great. Uh, and if you don't like him now, don't worry, he gets better. I promise better, better you. Better or better worse? No, no, I promise you that you will like him as the series progresses. I promise it. You, you, okay, okay, okay. It has okay. been promised. Okay. Now, I, I, now I, just I, so we're clear. There's yeah. you cheating. No, no cheating. You can't just like intentionally oh, no. not like him now. Oh, okay, fine. Yeah, I'll play fair. Fine. Okay, you gotta play fair. Okay. All right. So, um, uh, there was a kind of neat little thing there. He replaced uh, Colonel Kennedy. Uh, Colonel Kennedy, we met in the Enemy Within. He was the one who wanted to take Teal'c and then also yeah. allow the Google to stay in control of Kowalski. And um, this is the first time we also hear the NID. Uh, as mm-hmm. an intelligence branch. Uh, incidentally, the show came up with NID long before um, whatever it was when the cabinet was made in the Homeland Security. They were kicking around different names, and I think um, uh, one of them was the National De- Intelligence 
department or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they didn't go with that direction, but I, uh, I thought that was really just kind of funny. That the huh. <laughs> Yeah. I got an so, idea. It's all this one television show. Yes. Gives a, gives a good acronym. Yeah, there you go. Uh, okay, so uh, Enigma originally aired on January 30th, 1998. Number mm-hmm. one on the charts in the U.S. was Together Again by Janet Jackson. Ah, okay. And in the U.K., they were listening to You Make Me Wanna by Usher. <laughs> okay, yep. So, uh, in the box office, we have, for the second street week, at least as far as our podcast is concerned, Titanic. Uh, is yeah. number one. Great Expectations yeah. pops in at number two. Goodwill Hunting at three. Spice mm. World drops from two to four. And mm-hmm. As Good As It Gets rounds out the top five. Hmm. I think I remember every one of these. Yeah. So. About time. Well, so what was happening at about the time of this episode? Yeah. Uh, a few days before this What's episode, on? Uh, on January 26th, Intel releases its 333 megahertz Pentium 2 chip. Remember that? Oh, 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 oh wow. Yeah, 333 wow. megahertz. Woo. <laughs> Hot diggity. That was fast stuff. Uh, well, it you was could, at the time. You could multitask with that, Brent. You could, you could run two different programs at the same time. And if you were really pushing it, you could do three and not notice a significant lag. Well... I mean, if you had got up and made, like, coffee every now and again. Oh, okay. Fair, fair, fair enough. Also yeah. on January 26th, President Bill uh-huh. Clinton says, I want to say one thing to the American people. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Bill, that did not go on as well as you thought it would. Nope. Nope. Uh, a couple it depends days. depends on what the definition of is is. Yeah. That was from his deposition. Oh, yeah, yeah. The the definition of is, is, is. It, it, <laughs> Man. You, 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 either, you either did it or you didn't do it. I mean. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, kind of. What, anyway, all right, we're not well, getting into this. Yeah, okay. That's 20 years ago. That, that is true. Almost 21. Mm-hmm. Uh January 28th, Michelangelo's Christ and the Woman of Samaria sold for $7.4 million. Cool. Cool. Okay, January 30th. This is actually the day it aired. The Florida Marlins catcher Darren Dalton retired, and Uh, Howard Stern's radio show premieres in Indianapolis on WNAP 93.1 FM. No kidding. Uh, Huh. Yeah. Wow. An ignominious um, career got its birth. There huh. you go. A couple days after this episode, on February 1st, Lillian E. Fishburne becomes the first female African-American to be promoted to the rank of rear admiral. Hmm. Okay. Cool. Uh, a couple days later, on the 3rd, the stamps commemorating Princess Diana go on sale in Britain. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're probably pushing the limits of this week and maybe into next week, but I just found this really funny, so I had to add it. On February 4th, Bill Gates gets a pie thrown in his face in Brussels. Oh, my. I remember that. And I, I'm like, ooh, that sounds interesting. Was this, like, for anything, like like, like a 
like a, a charity or something? And no, I, I no, it was up, just some hooligan. Like, no, okay, so this is from New York Daily News website. I got to Google this. A group yeah. of pranksters ambushed Gates with a cream pie messing his glasses in dark suit. The pie toss was thought to be the mastermind of Noel Godin, a Belgian personality who stages the attacks and then tries to sell footage of the incidents. Aha. Uh-huh. So... Bill Gates got so some Bill pie, Gates got a in, his pie in his face. Uh, incidentally, yeah. for those who don't know, Bill Gates is the former uh, owner and the the creator of uh, Microsoft, mm-hmm. um, and he is worth several gazillion dollars. Yeah, that's a technical term, gazillion. Gazillion. Yep. Uh, okay. So trivia for this episode uh, from IMDb: the mm-hmm. opening scene. Uh, uh, Jackson says CG. The opening CG scene. The opening CG scene. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. This is like Pompeii. Everyone died of suffocation before the lava started to flow. That's what Jackson says. However, there was minimal lava associated with the 79 uh, Mount Vesuvius eruption that uh, got Pompeii. Yeah. Uh, White folks used to believe the people suffocated. That explanation never explained the live-action postures of the majority of the bodies. It's now generally accepted that the fourth of the eruption's six pyroclastic surges killed the people. A pyroclastic cloud can easily reach temperatures of over 500 degrees Fahrenheit and move downslope at several hundred miles an hour. The citizens of Pompeii, Pompeii probably just died instantly from the heat shock of that pyroclastic cloud. Boom! You know, all right, so I'll get a little dark here. Um, the people probably died instantly of heat shock. So that's a nice thing to say. Um, and I'm sure that people are probably feeling really good knowing that the citizens of Pompeii were awake and saying, oh, no, there's a volcano blowing up, and then they were just gone. Just geo any gone. Gone. No, no suffering. But it's like, um, I've... I've opened up my 500-degree oven before, and I didn't die of heat shock from the resulting blast of air. Like, just color me a little suspicious on that one. Um, well, you know, if your blast of air lasts a half a second, that would be one thing. But if your yeah, but you blast see, of air... Like, like yeah. if you got... I mean, yeah, it, it but it's probably not wasn't an instantaneous thing, so this is mm-hmm. probably not a fun thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, That's what I'm saying. Ima- imagine dancing in your 500-degree oven for, you know, <laughs> at least several minutes, if not longer. Um, uh, yeah, that's a long time to be suffering in agony. I anyway. don't appreciate that, yeah. Mm. Anyway, uh, okay. happy time. Hey, you know what? It was just... It was just a, it's just Christmas just a bit ago. It's holidays. Yay. Yay. Who said holidays. anything about death by a 500 degree oven? I didn't say anything. That, that was you, Brent. Okay. What else? What else you got, Zach? Oh, okay. Uh, so during this episode, Dr. Daniel Jackson remarks that if it had not been for the dark ages on Earth, the Tauri could have been able to develop technology comparable to the Tolans. Now that said... He was wrong. Most, wrong. Modern histo- most modern historians 
disagree with this understanding of history because, quite frankly, that is a very Western European-centric view of yep. the world. And in yep. fact, if you go out into, say, uh, modern-day Iraq or even out into Asia where China is and such and India, there was a lot of things happening and a lot of technology growing and yep. developing. And after the Dark Ages in Europe, say roughly right around the Renaissance, the, the European countries said, hey, look at what they're doing. Yeah. And pretty much stole all of their stuff and did more with it. But Oh, I'll yeah. get, so this is absolutely in my wheelhouse. Uh, the short version of it is that this notion of people being completely isolationistic and backwards uh and, uh, you know, witch burning, you know, scientists, etc. Uh, that is a very romantic way of looking at it. That's a propagated theory from the earliest historians back in the Victorian era, because they thought that uh, Rome was the model to look up to. And the fall of Rome was an evil. And then when people got back on the Rome bandwagon, then they got back. You know, it's all about it's all about culture propagation or at least, you know. Propaganda is probably a better way of saying it. Yeah. No, folks were really aware of what other cultures were doing. They may not have liked what they were doing, and they may have actively rejected it in some cases. But no, man, like you're finding coins minted in like the eighth century with Arabic on the uh, outside of it uh, in in England. These coins are being minted. The reason is because probably the king thought it was really cool and decorative and not realizing that he was putting Allah Akbar on his coins. But it's true, still happened. But that means he was having contact with people that were developing algebra. Like, this stuff is, you know, yeah. okay. Soapbox and, over. And, and frankly, uh, frankly, the whole idea of science being anathema uh, and, and even the debate that we currently have raging between science and religion uh, mm -hmm. is only a few hundred years old. Really? Oh, uh, yeah. It's actually oh, yeah. not until, not until you get to the Renaissance period, post-Renaissance even, yeah. that you really start to get into the debates of whether or not religion and science, all of that, blah, blah, blah. And yep. so this whole thing is wacky. But whatever. Made for good television. It doesn't make for good, good television. Uh, it makes for a nice little bit of story here. Sure. Uh, show. Gave us something to talk about. Yeah. For, you know, five minutes. Mm -hmm. And everybody's thinking, oh, that's five minutes I will never have back. Get on with it! Okay, so having <laughs> heard the audience say, get on with it, I will move <laughs> to the synopsis. SG-1 reaches a planet which is on the brink of destruction. A volcano is raining ash on everyone and lava is on the move. This surprises the team as they pass through the Stargate. The MALP showed no signs of this when they sent it through earlier. O'Neill orders Daniel to dial the gate back home. When Daniel looks out and notices that there are people lying near death around the gate and covered with ash, one of them looks up at Captain Carter and pleads that she leave them there. Ultimately, the team finds ten survivors and brings them to Earth, saving their lives. The refugees are from the planet of Tolan, a highly advanced civilization which makes Earth technology look ridiculously primitive. Their leader, Omak, was, has an arrogant air and insists that SG-1 did not actually save them. Their people had sent a transport to pick them up. We soon discover that Talon was a planet in cataclysm and that the survivors were there to destroy the gate after the rest of their civilization evacuated to a new homeworld. Despite Omak's obstinate behavior, there's another Tolan survivor named Nareem. He is the one who begged Carter to leave them. 
Nevertheless, he's actually glad to be alive and seems quite taken with Carter, and Carter seems drawn to Nareem as well. After it is confirmed that the lava pouring toward the Tolan Stargate will soon destroy the gate, the SGC offers to find the Tolan a new home. But the Tolan are doubtful of SGC's ability to help them. This is highlighted when the Land of Light arrive to offer the Tolan refugees a place among their people. Omak rudely calls the Land of Light unacceptable. They are even more primitive than Earth's civilization. Later, the Tolan people go missing. A search around the area around a search of the area around Cheyenne Mountain find them stargazing, looking for information about where they are relative to their new homeworld. Sadly, they are too far away to hope for rescue. Security cameras show that somehow the Tolan managed to walk through walls, and it was this trick that allowed them to leave the mountain base. The U.S. government, spearheaded by the NID, a branch of U.S. intelligence, sees the arrival of the Tolan as their first real chance to secure advanced technology. They put the Tolans in lockdown and send Colonel Harry Mayborn to extract the information they desire. Their ability to walk through walls proved to Mayborn that these refugees hold power that can help them fight the Gua'uld. Uh, the Tolan's technology is far superior of that of the Gua'uld. However, they are unwilling to share their technology with what they seem as primitive cultures because of what happened on their home planet. Some time ago, the Tolan discovered another inhabited world in their solar system named Sarita. When they became advanced enough, the Tolan shared an unlimited energy source with people from Sarita. But a day later, the people of Sarita had used the gift as a weapon and destroyed their entire civilization. Sarita's destruction shifted the alignment of Tolan, of Tolan, and led to the destruction of their world as well. Thanks a lot, Sarita. I know. Gosh. SG-1, as well as General Hammond, are unhappy with how Mayborn is treating the Tolan people. They develop a plan to help them escape. Hammond, O'Neill, and Carter are military, and so their help would lead to a court-martial. But Daniel isn't military and can't be court-martialed. He can help with near impunity. Jackson tells the Tolan about the Knox, a sufficiently advanced people who would be acceptable to the refugees. Omak and Daniel use the, that walking-through-walls trick to head back to the surface where Omak is able to send a message to the Knox of their need for help. After the, plea is, after the plea for help is sent, Jackson leads the Tolan people to the gate room where they wait for the Knox to pick them up. In the gate room, the Knox dialed the earth gate and Laia of the Knox comes through to offer sanctuary for the Tolan. Mayborn is furious with this and warns Dr. Jackson of an impending court-martial if he continues. To which Colonel O'Neill gloats to Mayborn that Daniel can't be court-martialed and there's not likely a civilian court that could hear this case. Mayborn threatens to have the guards in the gate room open fire on Daniel, the Tolan, and Laia. But the threat doesn't stop anyone. Daniel says goodbye to the Tolan. Omak is pleasantly surprised that Daniel kept his word. Maybe Earth humans aren't all the bad. Laia tells Daniel, Your race has learned nothing. But you have. 
Mayborn orders the guards to open fire, but Laia uses her abilities to disarm the guards and hide the Tolan people. They exit through the gate to safety, leaving Jackson and Teal'c and a bunch of guards in the gate room, and a fuming Mayborn looking over them from the control room. O'Neill and Carter join their friends in the gate room, and the team recalls what the little guy with funny hair once told them. The very young do not always do as they are told. The end. The end. So, Brent. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you thought of Enigma. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what. I was definitely searching for some interesting meaning in this episode. Now, like, you know, I was trying to make an Enigma joke, but it wasn't really happening. Um, I, this, uh, it was okay. This episode was okay. Um, I, I definitely now think that the Catherine Powers scale is indeed in a wave form because this one has been trending a little bit downward lately. Uh, I, I thought the, the things that I was really uh, most interested in had next to nothing to do with the story itself. Um, you know, I was making little notes as the as the episode was rolling along, and I was like, hey, wow, that's a fully CG scene right, that, that, that they opened with. Uh, you know, it definitely looked it, um, but they, they spared no expense at the time. Um, and then, you know, like all sorts of other little odds and sods. Like the cat looked an awful lot like Spot from Star Trek. <laughs> um, so, you know, there was me being like, hey, it's Spot, even though it wasn't. But, you know, whatever. I mean, like. You know that was a thing, and then yeah. and then there was the uh, oh shoot, what was the what was their actual what was the actual um, name of the guy from the Light in the Dark Planet? Yeah, whatever. That was that guy, and I'm like, hey, it's the fish dude because it was the same actor, right? Oh yeah, the guy that's right, that, that's right. That did uh, that did the the the, the fish one. You know, oh yeah, and then uh, then there was the moment that custom, you know, when Nareem was being like, in my world we have a custom to express what words cannot, and he goes in for a kiss, I was really hoping, I mean, I knew it wasn't going to go this way, but I was, I was really hoping that like, you know, they would do something like spectacularly obnoxious, like go in for, just like go in closer and closer and then, you know, like something... <laughs> Something ridiculous, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it, of okay. course they wouldn't. Obviously they wouldn't. But you know, I just was having this moment of just like, oh come on, Let's, they're from yeah. another planet. Do something yeah. weird. Yeah, yeah. No, um, no. See, it's trying to show that these people aren't so different from us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then when they dialed in the knocks, I was really hoping that Armin, Sherm, Armin Shimmerman. Shimmerman, Armin Shimmerman, uh, Cork would uh, pop through. Um, but no, alas, it was uh, it was Laya. But um, yeah, so you know all these notes. She's the nice one. Quark was all right. Okay, fine. Anyway, but um, yeah, so all these notes that I'm jotting down is like, oh yeah, and I noticed that radar had an extended scene. You know what I mean? Like it's all this stuff, but none of it really had anything to do with the story. I like the story itself was really, really blah. Okay. This highly advanced group of humans are rescued. They brought through the gate. They're jerk faces. They they are condescending. They have technology that Earth doesn't have. Cue uh you know cue the bad guys who want to obtain that uh, that 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 technology for evil purposes. Have an anecdote about what happens when evil people get a hold of the technology. Have a few moments where uh, the good guys are you know um, 
can be realistically described as the bad guys because they're going after them with weaponry, etc. You see, you guys are you guys are jerks. You won't even let us leave. We are prisoners after all. You know, I mean, it was all fine. It was fine. And, you know, they got away. And they got away because of the Nox. Yay! Yay! Like, seriously, when the Nox showed up, when Laia showed up, I was like, oh, thank goodness. Because at least you got a little bit of that, like, magical, whimsical, like, you know, peace will win. You know what I mean? Like, because okay. that, that's my jam. So I was like, you know, hey, hey, all your guns are gone. Ha! Idiots. You know, like... <laughs> That that made me feel okay, but that was like that was five seconds worth of television. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, it was just it was kind of blah. I mean, like I, one thing I I thought was kind of neat was when um oh shoot, what's this guy's name? What's what's the leader's name? Omak. Omak. Uh, when Omak sent the signal to the Knox. Uh, and he's, you know, he started to do that, you know, that wrinkle in time. Oh thing. yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Jackson said, yes, bending space. And he's like, no, like, no. like I, <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool, you know, alluding to a science that was so, uh, beyond, uh, our current understanding of the universe that it was just like literally just would, can't be described or, or at least it, it's viewed as simplistic. Uh, but on the other hand, I do like it when they'll go ahead and do something that's mind bending, but they'll still make it, you know, they'll still explain it within the framework of current science so that mm. easily old me can understand it. But anyway. Yeah. Well, okay. So <sighs> yeah. um, since you mentioned that scene, I'll, I'll say one of the things that, that I thought was really kind of silly. Uh, and this sure. is a directing thing. Uh, but at the end of that scene, did you notice that, that both uh, um, Jackson and Omak kind of look up at the star and they're like looking straight at the camera as the camera is panning out from them? And I just like, uh, yeah. Oh, oh, come on. That, that, okay, yeah. okay. Now, now, I want you to turn your head and look up at the sky. Okay. Yeah. Oh. That that was a place that just made me think that I mean it 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 was such a, uh, it it pulled me out of of yeah. the show in that moment. Yeah. Um, so I'm hearing that Brent, you kind of thought this was kind of meh. Uh, oh boy! I like this, and I think a little bit more than you. But I do have sure. some some things that I would like to talk about. Yeah, okay. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about the Tolan people. Um, mm-hmm. A, we basically have some sort of prime directive thing going on here, so that's kind of cool. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, as and you know, here we have this group of uh, sufficiently advanced people. Uh, their, their technology doesn't even have moving parts, so far as we can tell. Um, but they can walk through walls and they can send laser beams from here to thousands of light years away and uh, in just, you know, a few mere, mere moments and and all of this stuff. Uh, and they don't want to share their technology. And that's kind of interesting. Um, Omak was a real jerk about it. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I, I kind of found that interesting to see that that play and and actually we kind of see a, a recognition from at least our heroes that this this way of dealing with sufficiently advanced technology and such might be worthwhile 
um, or not sharing it and whatnot, because they realized that trying to steal the technology and what the, the technology did to Sarita was a bad idea mm-hmm. and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, you know, so as, as I watch this episode, it gets me thinking again about how do we share technology? Um, yeah. How do we share our life together in ways uh, that are uh, healthy for all the people involved? Um, because you can have sufficiently advanced technology, and if you don't share it with somebody who really desperately needs it, uh, you can cause, in some situations, more harm than good. Sure. However, it can go the other way as well. Yeah. Yes, it can. Um, this episode did absolutely nothing to try to wrestle with that question at all, right? Like, you've got um, you've got a couple of characters who are driving the um, what are their names? The Tolans driving driving the Tolan way viewpoint, right? You got a leader dude who's just a jerk, and you've got sensitive dude um, that. <sighs> we are connecting with in part because he is developing some kind of emotional attachment to one of the main characters, but neither are like advancing any kind of interesting question at all about um, there was, there was just nothing novel about this particular episode as far as the story was concerned. Right? So you got this extremely advanced culture and they're being, uh, uh, I was gonna say miserly. I'll, I'll I'll stick with it. They're being miserly with their technology. Uh, they're doing it in a patriot or a, a, in a paternalistic way. Um, like you know, they know best, and uh, the, 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 they know that every time that they hand it off to somebody who is inferior to them, all they're gonna do is just uh, you know use it as a stick uh, and beat each other up with it. So you know they 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 don't they don't share anymore. And mm-hmm. you know, and then there's and then there's little old us who are like you know. Well, but you know, may, maybe not. I mean, we could be different. You know, you can trust us, guys. I mean, but not really. I mean, that they didn't really press that too hard. And so, you know, as a result, there's well, they did kind pre- of- I, they did press that a little bit in that in that those folks in the SGC can be trusted. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, Mayborn and the rest of the government, and maybe even the president and whatnot, uh, are definitely not trustworthy. Um, you know, and you get that line at the end from Laia, your people have learned nothing, but you have. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we do see some major growth here uh, with our heroes. And this is also highlighted um, with uh, uh, Hammond and O'Neill after Mayborn comes and, you know, takes to take all the people. And he says, you know, I don't, don't yeah. believe, uh, you know, and then you have uh, uh, O'Neill turn to Hammond and say, hey, you know what? You're a good man, good General. Man. Yeah. Uh, that, that's such a great moment there that recognizes uh, that that even when, I mean, when you look at humanity, here's the thing. Is that yeah. When you look at humanity, there is both uh, the Mayborns out there who are jerks. They're yeah. bad. Uh, sometimes they're comically bad. Um, mm-hmm. And then there are people who are trying to do the right thing. Um, and, and you see that play out here, uh, that our heroes are trying to be the best that humanity can be. Uh, even yeah. when 
other elements of their own government, you know, are clearly trying not to. But it felt thin. And the reason why I'm saying that is because, like, for the first half of the story, uh, the SG-1 team, you know, the, the folks in the SGC were their primary point of interaction with the Tolans was, um, you know, offering them a place to stay. All right. They they weren't. um, And I, I I get it. uh, You know, it would be a little bit artificial to be pressing the point of give us your technology or you can trust us really. You know I mean? They, they, they they were coming at it from the position of y'all don't have any place to go and we are a hospitable people. So please let us, let us help you and give you a place to stay. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's the angle that they were coming from. That's good. That's admirable. Has nothing to do with technology or not. It has everything to do with just being a decent human. And so my gripe is that, um, okay, that's fine. Uh, there's, there's certainly a way to, to pose that um, desire or to frame that um, – uh, I hesitate to call it a question. But, you know, like that, that element of humanity, there's a way to frame that element in humanity that's compelling. You can do that in a drama. It's fine. You can do it. Um, but that wasn't the driving uh, – dramatic point in this episode the driving point was these folk these folk have technology and there are folks who want to exploit it and there are folks who want to um exploit it nicely you know like it was kind of an open question uh the sgc team didn't really talk about exploiting it not really not one way or the other they were really focused on just trying to prove that they're good folk and in the end it you know like letting them go and helping them get through the gate to protect them from the bad folk was the good folk thing that they could have done okay fine why why then do we need to have this advanced technology or this advanced civilization why do we need to bring them in and even introduce that kind of okay fine so then that's the way you bring in the bad element the nid set that stage up (sighs) but but my griping is because each part of it kind of felt a little forced it felt a little thin and it felt a little cheap and as a result the totality is kind of uninteresting it's it's okay all right so we've established that there is this group of people here uh the tolans they are significantly advanced and off they go to Knox. you know uh we've established that there's the nid um they are uh, uh, folk that want to get a hold of advanced technology through the Stargate program, and so they so here they are, and you know, and and presumably here they will be. Um, we've established that our heroes have uh, grown? Question mark. I mean, I hear you, and I'm not qu- and I'm not saying that you're wrong at all, Zach. Uh, it's just it's not. I don't think it's as cleanly evident as. One, one another person might think. I think it's just more along the lines of like, yeah, they, 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 they're just being hospitable. It's probably the better way to say it. At least is how I'm seeing mm. it. They're being hospitable, and when their hospitality by force is unable to be extended, then they hatch a plan to help them get away and vis-a-vis just be hospitable in a different direction. Yeah, it's just meh. Just meh. I'm just meh. Mm. Well, okay. Well, um, I'm gonna. 
I'm not going to disagree with you, but I also mm-hmm. am going to see the, the things that I like about it in a better light yeah. than, than you like it. Uh, sure. That said, I, I will add a couple of things that that pulled me out of the story here. Uh, one, those ridiculous silver suits. Oh, <laughs> The silver jammies. The silver jammies. <laughs> hey, look, we got our, you know, futuristic silver onesies. They glitter. <sighs> In our society, we have no need for multiple... For, 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 uh, uh, our, uh, what was that thing? Our sleeping our platforms sleeping automatically, platforms adjust, automatically to adjust to our body <laughs> We have no need for accoutrements. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so also, I want to think a little bit about the planet Tolan. Yeah. So Nareem and Carter go out up onto the surface and they see a bald eagle and he's like, oh, yeah. uh, we, we haven't had birds for generations. And then it goes on. We learn that they don't have any living animals on this planet. I'm like, yeah. how the heck does this ecosystem work? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, you get some. Ste- I mean, obviously it didn't work because it got destroyed. Um uh, you know, thanks Sar- Sarnak or whatever. Sarita, yeah, oh, yeah whatever. Well, see, well, see, here's the thing: is also um, one thing is unclear is is when did this incident with Sarita happen? Uh, yeah, right. Nareem was talking about it as if it were like generations ago, and so like this is what and, people were yeah. taught about, and yet. You know, I mean, I'm not an astronomer, but if Mars uh, went kablooey for whatever reason, yeah. and that threw us yeah. off our axis in some way, we would have less than generations before things go bad for us. It, so it, is this it, something it, that happened possible. literally in Nareem's life? In nah, Omak's I mean, life? So that he... It's totally possible from an astrophysics point of view that this would take a while. But you, you, I hear what you're saying. Like... You know, the legends say that this group of people blew up their planet and, you know, only now is it like turning into a big giant problem. Right. Um, You know, I also I remember asking myself this question earlier uh, as I was watching this episode, you know, years ago is is the uh, are they really that advanced in technology if their technology or whatever it is leads them to totally destroy the ecosystem. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then then of course I start thinking about, okay, so what is that saying about us? What do we do with that? Uh, Mm. We're doing a darn good job of trying to destroy our ecosystem too, uh, with our technology. Um, Is this a good thing? I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. What? Where is? Where's the balancing point between our technology that allows, hey, you and me to communicate right now? Because right. otherwise, we wouldn't be able to communicate together like this, uh, let mm-hmm. alone the podcasting world. Um, right, right. But on the flip side, then what else is happening to cause problems? Um, yeah, it, I mean, yeah. Uh, so I, I, I'm gonna. I'll give you this, Brent, because I'm going to go there, uh, that that this is me thinking about this, and this isn't the episode itself talking about it. Okay. Yes. I'll buy that. But here's the thing. Star Trek does that all the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Uh, Yeah. No, this is... 
my my initial feeling of this episode being kind of blasé. Mm-hmm. I mean, it stands right. Like it wasn't bad. This episode wasn't bad. Um, it didn't ask anything interesting. It didn't show me anything amazingly interesting. Uh, it didn't explain anything in a way that captivated me. It was funny how it was dismissive about what how this uh, technology worked, but you know that's that's a sensible chuckle moment. That's not a that's not a hook. Hmm. Um, it, 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 basically, like um, part of my uh, part of my surprise way back when you were going over the trivia, and we were talking about the actors and how one of them played a few characters. Nareem, the guy who plays Nareem. Right. Uh, and I'm all like, oh, hey, Zach, you didn't say it was another character, so that means Nareem must be coming back. That was it, part of the reason why I was feeling that way was because, all things being equal, this thing was kind of forgettable. Hmm. Like, there's a possibility that elements of what they represent can come back, um, for sure. And now that I know that they kind of come back a little bit, like, you know, I'm kind of seeing how, like, okay, well, how can we, how can this amazingly advanced technology or uh, uh, civilization be used to advance a story within television sci-fi well there we go but absent that it's like okay like there's a bunch of advanced technology and off they go Hmm. um you know if if in later episodes we find that they are helpful or hurtful in some way uh, this entire uh, everything that was covered in this episode could probably be covered in five minutes of another episode. You know, like nothing, nothing meaningful was actually wrestled with here, and as a result, you know, it was it, it, to me it just felt like a waste of time. Hmm. Really, a meh. It was a uh, meh. meh. Well, I'm not going to disagree with you. <laughs> That's, the, I think, the third time you said that, Joe Parker. I'm Arthur. not going to agree with you. Sure. You know. Well, this is um, just one. This is, this is divisive. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Um, yes. You know, I, I have to admit that that uh, it is impossible for me to look at this episode without knowing the history of uh, Mayborn, without knowing the history of Nareem, yes. without knowing the history of the Tolan people. Um, yeah. Uh, and, you know, so I'm, I, well, I can't then, help but give let it a, me, yeah, go ahead. Let me ask you this. Knowing what you know. Okay. Do you think this episode does a good service to future story? Um, this episode does a good service of, like we've seen so many other times, of setting up characters and situations okay. that that yep. that can be mined and plumbed for for other stories later on. Fine. Totally. So that's definitely some insider information that I'm taking advantage of. Yes, you are. Um, but that's good to know, and it helps me actually understand how, like, I'm sitting here going, like, what's so great about this? And you're like, it's pretty cool. Um <laughs> I think I think that there might be something to be said that that it's pretty cool within the context of a bigger story or more story in the future. Uh, I'll, I'll buy uh, that. You know, right out the gate, this thing was kind of like, huh? Okay, well, uh, that happened, and so 
Yeah. That's where I am. Um, I will say this, that when it comes down to it, Catherine Powers is ultimately not my favorite writer. <laughs> she had a flash of brilliance with Thor's hammer. Yeah. And then that was it. Um, uh, I'll tease you just a little bit. There is an yeah. episode in season two. It's not too far into season two, so this isn't too much of a season. Uh, that is called Thor's Chariot. Ooh. Wait, uh, Thor, Thor had a chariot? Not Thor's hammer, Thor's Chariot. Yeah. Uh, which is also, actually, as I, I'm looking at this, this is kind of interesting. Uh, it is also directed by William Garrity and written by Catherine Powers. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, okay, that, fine. That comes later. Uh, All right. Uh, actually, is, uh, yeah. All right. Uh, so. Power. Catherine Powers! Yeah, when you see this, it's a name. All right. You want to touch, but you shouldn't touch. Or something. I don't know. I'll have to look it up later. I have no idea what it's you're funny. saying. It's funny. Okay. It's good, it's good, it's good stuff. It's good. Okay. So, so you're off in your little world, and I'm in my little world, and it's yep. the day after Christmas, and yep. and uh, either we've had too much or not enough nog. I'm not certain which is true. I'm going to go with not enough. I haven't had any nog, so... <laughs> well then, sir, you need to get on your nog game. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, Brent, we have beaten the snot out of this episode here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it is that time. Yes. Where we do our ending stuff. Where I mm-hmm. say to you, <laughs> yeah. how many chevrons does Enigma uh-huh. get? So I'll keep it short and sweet. Because I was talking an awful lot here, and I was having not a whole lot of nice things to say. Um, I'm going to give it three out of seven. It was, at this point, in my understanding, not that interesting. It, I, I believe you, Zach. I understand that if I skipped this episode, I'd probably be like, hey, who are these guys? And what's, what's their story? And, you know, knowing having this information is going to be helpful. But at right now, at this moment, I'm like, huh, eh, well, whatever. It wasn't terrible. But it was not good. Ah, three out of seven chevrons for Brent. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, me. Uh, I am going to give this one. Julie's looking at me. <laughs> you better give the right score, Buster. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> What's the right answer? <laughs> What's the right answer? <laughs> Is it five? Is it is it is it seven? Six? Is it, what? Is it, is it six? No. no, 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 no. Is it five? No, 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 no. Is this like uh, Price is Right? Yeah, You're, yeah, you're yeah, going the, the back? Yeah. I'm, I'm watching her reaction. She's like, she, she's, she's giving me a, 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 a four and, and a uh-huh. five, and, and uh-huh. I'm giving this a three and a half. You're giving it a three and a half? <laughs> You know, as, as I all that I know, <laughs> I gotta do something. Well, yeah. Well, so like you know, as I was watching it this time in a very different mode than than last other times I've watched this. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, uh, I, I've been watching this to write notes down. I've been watching it, and, and of course now I know this is Catherine Powers, and 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 I have now a track record with Catherine, and and I'm yes, and um. I'm not going to argue the the dialogue for a good chunk of this is kind of flat. There are some yes. great one lines in this, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I mentioned a few of those, um, 
but uh, yeah. So it, I give it better than Brent, but <laughs> but not by much. <laughs> All right. So the next episode, Brent, yes, is entitled Solitudes. Solitude. What is solitude? Plural. Plural. Huh. Well, that's kind of funny that it's plural. You can't really have one of. I mean, anyway. All right. So, let's see here. Doctor Samantha Carter has been taken aback after her fantastic encounter with Nareem. No one that she has ever encountered understood her. As deeply as he did, as was befitting the gift that he gave her, she saw in his heart. But now he's gone, and she feels all alone. Meanwhile, after traversing through the gate, the team discovers that not one but six Dr. Samantha Carters have appeared on the other side of the gate. Each one of them feeling a little wistful, (laughs) a little bit melancholy. Each of them discovering in their own way what it means to be alone. Join us next week for a very tender episode of Stargate SG-1 Solitude. Solitudes. <laughs> Fascinating. Uh, yeah? Fascinating. Yeah? Uh, uh, yeah, okay. think I got close? Um, well, shall we watch the promo and find out? Sure, okay, let's do it. Okay, let's see how well Brent did with Solitudes. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah, let's go. go. SG-1 ripped apart by a surprise attack. Or Colonel O'Neill, Captain Carter. They're right behind us. O'Neill and Carter. This is nothing like I was expecting. We're alone here, wherever here is. With a broken Stargate. We are going to get out of here. That's an order. When Daniel's rescue attempts turn hopeless... I'm calling the search off. Can O'Neill and Carter survive? They're bleeding internally. I'm dying. On the next Stargate SG-1. Oh, no! Man, how many times am I going to have to deal with the crew dying? Well, at least one more. Uh, Yeah, and also... (laughs) um, uh, that, 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 That had nothing to do with heartbreak. That did not have anything to do with heartbreak. Not not yet. Not to my knowledge. Huh. Okay. Well, then. We'll have to deal with the crew getting stranded with a broken Stargate. Yeah. But only half of them. Mm-hmm. So. With the other half doing something rad with the home, with the Earth signal. I don't know. Whatever. Well, we'll they're, they're, they're looking. Cool. They're looking. They're, they're looking. searching. They're looking for him. They're looking for him. So that was Solitudes, and we will find out what happens uh, in that episode on our next episode of Walking Through the Stargate. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, any last comments, Brent, before we close this thing down? None at all. Let's get this one behind me. All right. So, you, dear listeners, tell us what you think about Enigma. Tell us how we got it wrong. Tell us how we got it right. Tell us that that Brent is absolutely spot on with this. Tell him he's an idiot. Tell me that I am absolutely right or absolutely wrong. Whatever it is, (laughs) tell us your opinion. Maybe you sit somewhere in the middle between our 3 and our (laughs) 3.5. Maybe you are at the 3.25, further sharding the scale. There you go. Maybe we're way off, and this was the best episode of television on the planet. On the planet. Tell us what you think. 
email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. It's mm-hmm. W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-O-U-G-H-T-H-E-H-E-B-B-B-B-B. Wow. <laughs> See, when the pressure's on now, right? Walking through the Stargate. You know how you it's know, spelled. Yeah, it's spelled how it sounds. It is. <laughs> Totally false. Just, just know that that through is T H R O U G H. Yeah. Which, which everything else is pretty much spelled exactly how it walking sounds. Through. But, 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 but throug. Throug. Walking throug. Is 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 an interesting word there. Yeah. Or talk to us on Twitter. Uh, you can find us at Stargate Walking. Follow us. Chat with us. Or look on Facebook and let us know there. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so let's build this community, and let's have fun talking about yeah, this show. And we can put this one in our rearview mirror, if Brent wants. Yes, and, please. Okay, so with that, I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. See ya. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home. <laughs>